Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is Director of Photography, Joe Douglas. Joe's been working his way up in the camera department now for 10 or 11 years and he's now a well-established Director of Photography being represented by Wizzo and Co as well. We talk about maintaining relationships with directors over the course of you know uh, months and years when you when you work together on, on projects continuously. And we also discuss some of his more recent work alongside uh, another friend of ours, Otis Dominique, who you'll remember from episode one. I hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, thank you for joining us on the Family and Friends podcast. Uh, what's what's been going on, mate? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Keeping um, busy, as busy as I can, you know, in this kind of situation that we've got going on. So, yeah, um, yeah it's been good. Yeah. And you've been managing to sort of keep jobs ticking over. Was it was there a, a, at all like a quiet time for you over the last sort of few months or? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, well, obviously, right at the very first one, you know, it was dead. Uh, but then it kind of, it kind of went back to kind of semi normality, I think last year, and then the beginning of this year was definitely slower. I think there was a lot of, um, you know, with the, with the kind of third lockdown that happened, it felt a bit, quite a bit more serious than the, the middle kind of one. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mainly do kind of commercials and that kind of thing. And there was kind of a lot of talk about testing and they, I think they really ramped up the kind of onset and like yeah. pre-job testing for us. So that kind of, I think that maybe scared away some jobs a bit. And, you know, a lot of my jobs that were kind of in the pipeline got pushed to kind of March time, which is, which is fine. Cause obviously they're still there, thankfully. Um, but yeah, there was definitely uh, you know, a bit more nerves, I think in the industry, but people have definitely been pushing on, which is good and, and sticking to the testing, which is really good. Yeah. You know, making sure that we're safe. Yeah. I yeah. think people have been taking it quite seriously. Uh, you know, right, rightfully so, you know, if, if we are, I consider us quite lucky to be able to continue to work. Um, yeah. You know, even if it is a reduced amount, it's still, it makes all the difference, even just for your sort of your mental well-being. sometimes just to be kept busy. Like I think we, yeah. we work in an industry where when you're not busy, you start getting that sort of dread feeling that, you know, well, if I'm not busy, oh, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. Something there's wrong. always, there's always, well, I think it's definitely, it, it, the grass is always greener do you know what I mean? like you, I'll, I'll sit there in quiet times thinking oh man i want to work i want to work and then i and then i start working again i'm like oh man i don't want to work anymore i just want to sit and do nothing <laughs> no, no no but yeah we are definitely we're massively privileged you know what i mean that the fact that i you know and especially since our industry is quite close contact do you know what i mean like they've managed to somehow find a way of it it working and it, and to be fair quite safely as well you know there's it's at the very beginning, there was definitely some times where people were going, oh, I, you know, there was a case on this job, there was a case on that job. But I think they've definitely managed to kind of stamp that out a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, massively privileged to be able to carry on working. I know there's a lot of industry out there that, that hasn't or, you know, especially since our job is in no way, shape or form able to work from home at all. No. I think we're, yeah, very lucky, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it's glad, glad that it can continue. Amazing. So mate, our first section is sort of your your background. Uh, yeah. You know, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Yeah. Um, I mean, I so I grew up in Southampton. That's how I know I know Dave. Yeah. Um, over at family, uh, mm -hmm. we kind of 
yeah, I guess you could say we grew up together a little bit. You know, I didn't I didn't know him from from childhood, but we met and uh, we were good friends. And then somehow we've managed to <laughs> fall into the same industry, which is which is <laughs> great. It's always good to have friends in the industry. Mate, of course. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We grew up in Southampton and uh, I kind of left home at like maybe 16, 17, went off into the industry and started kind of working. Uh, I went to uni as well did film and cinematography at Bournemouth uni um that was three years but before that I took a kind of gap year and I went out and kind of did a bit of working uh, actually in in Toronto um I was I was working on you know music videos small commercials that kind of thing you know as a runner that kind of stuff starting out um but that kind of that was great to give me a little bit of a kind of leg up as I went into uni kind of already had some some ideas and that kind of thing Amazing. So when did you first develop the sort of the idea that you might want to work in this industry then? When, how were you introduced to it? I mean, I, I, you know, I think it, in terms of just video and, and you know, that kind of medium, I was, you know, my, my granddad left us this old VHS. I don't even think it was VHS. It was like an old, you know, video camera, really yeah. old tape, tape kind of video camera. And probably when I was like, maybe, you know, my parents could probably tell me better, but when I was like maybe 11, 12, 13, I would make kind of stop motion videos with no way with my, you know, with my Lego or my action man. And they were, they were awful. Or I'd like <laughs> get my brother to kind of not even act just like, just like mess around in these like stupid, silly videos in our living room. Uh, so yeah. And then that slowly progressed into, you know, I was a very keen skateboarder when I was younger and, uh, you know, I wasn't, I definitely, you know, I wasn't the worst, but I wasn't the best in the group out of our kind of little crew that we had. And I thought, what is the way that I can just kind of keep, at least keep in this crew? Yeah. So I took that kind of, you know, what I'd done before. And I I think one birthday, I managed to get myself a little kind of, um, you know, mini DV camera. And I started being the kind of little filmer. Uh, uh, and then I kind of slowly upgraded. I never got to that kind of Sony vx100 kind of stage i didn't i didn't get that far in the, my career of skateboard filming but, but i think we made some pretty good videos you know we, we you know released them kind of around our friends and stuff and this was all obviously like pre-youtube or anything it was yeah. like literally we had to kind of burn it i think we had to take it to jessops and get them to put it onto a dvd and i think like only one of one or two of my friends actually had dvd players so we would like just hand them out to our friends and stuff like that. And oh, I think right. that guess was like how I, you know, and then I slowly progressed into like maybe thinking I wanted to be a photographer, I think like kind of college stage. And then I realized I definitely didn't want to be a photographer because it looks very like lonely. And I think it's a str- much more of a struggle, I think, to become a, a, a successful photographer. Yeah. Uh, and then that just led me into doing this kind of film course. And I think I just kind of really felt like I, you know, yeah, wanted to get into film. I don't think there was ever an epiphany in terms of like, you know, sitting in front of the films and watching films. You know, there's a lot of these people who say, oh, you know, I watched, I watched Apocalypse Now and I, you know, it was, it was the, it, it spurred me on to want to make films. I think I just, I, I, it wasn't anything to do specifically about films. It was just, I loved making visuals. Nice. So I was yeah. just telling those stories in a video format, I guess. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah. Nice, mate. Um, yeah, so in terms of sort of getting experience then, started out doing escape videos. Um, yeah. You got some opportunities doing uh, some running on things then in, in Canada, did you say? 
Yeah, so I'd, um, I can't really remember exactly. I think I'd literally just emailed out to a whole load of production companies out there. I kind of knew I was going to take a kind of gap year per se, but not really do the kind of typical go to Asia and find myself. I just wanted yeah. to kind of take a year out and just go and do some, you know, some stuff. So yeah, just to get some I went experience. out. Yeah, yeah. So I went out to Toronto and I, I, um, I stayed with some friends out there and I, I managed to get some work at this, this production company called The Field, who were, you know, great. They were really nice. And they, um, they were doing music videos, a lot of music videos. So I kind of started out running. And then what I kind of figured out was that I could kind of slowly sneak my way into the like lighting department by just saying, I'll carry that for you or I'll carry that stand or, you know, and I think I, I, I kind of maybe had a slight little bit of a knowledge in terms of, um, you know, what a stand was and that kind of thing. And maybe what a little bit of a light was. I can't, you know, I don't know. I can't remember how I might've known that, but I, you know, I knew how to put a plug in a, in a socket, that kind of thing. Do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? So I, I, and I had a small knowledge of like what a lamp was and that kind of thing. So I kind of slowly weaseled my way in as a runner, just saying, look, you know, these were very low budget music videos that these guys were doing. And uh, I think we were shooting on like mainly like red ones and that kind of thing at the point, but you know, a lot of 16 mil. And uh, I just, yeah, started chatting to the guys there on the lighting team and, eventually by the end of my gap year I was kind of you know I think if I'd stayed I probably would have been able to probably forge out a small career do you know what I mean as like a as a spark maybe out there but I obviously came back and did the degree but you know by the end of it I was getting a little you know semi-regular work as a you know as a spark almost with with literally no electrical <laughs> background or knowledge um, but they were, I think they were just looking for you know hard-working people to like run cables and that kind of things so, no, and I could do that yeah was it quite a tough decision to move away like if once you're in that world and you're kind of you are working you know as a spark and you're, and you're seeing yourself kind of progress and get maybe better yeah. more interesting jobs and things you're enjoying more was it quite a tough decision to say actually i'm going to cut this here yeah. i'm going to go back continue studying and then i'm you know and then i'm going to resume it or you know <clears> was it was it was it always your plan so it's quite easy to stick to yeah i mean i i had my um degree waiting I deferred it okay and actually you know I think actually it was a huge blessing in disguise because when I signed onto the course originally it was you know if I if I hadn't taken my gap year and just gone straight into it I would have been on kind of the HND and it was much more of like a TV and film course where they still had to do like a multi-cam unit they still had to do a lot of kind of like in the gallery kind of studio yeah, kind of yeah, stuff yeah also alongside some like 16 mil work that they did and that kind of thing. But I think, and that the, that year ahead of us were slightly more in that kind of realm. And so when, as I, while I was on my gap year, I actually got an email from them saying, cause I, you know, they, they said that I could come back and defer and, and go straight onto the course. I got an email saying, basically the course that you signed up for doesn't exist anymore. We are now going to join up with, cause this is, you know, I, I hadn't explained that this is actually studying in Salisbury as well okay. at a college there, but they would say, they said, basically we're going to now link up with Bournemouth uni and create a, you know, a BA three year degree course. And uh, it seemed like that was going to be much more of like a you know, very much more film and cinematography kind of course. They scrapped all the kind of TV stuff. They, we didn't have to yeah. do any more kind of gallery multicam kind of work. Um, so yeah. Stuff does not really interest you at all that sort of television side of things 
no I just don't think it's really where I I envisioned myself going yeah. do you know what I mean I never really thought that I would go into the kind of like um multi-cam or kind of live OB kind of stuff definitely no um so yeah they they but they just said look you you know obviously you can just have a place on this new course if you if you want it and so I said yeah definitely so I started there and I I think having the I'd always said that I was going to go to university I think aside from you know thankfully I was still in the realm of you know the slightly cheaper tuition fees than they are now yeah and I kind of just even just for the experience I guess I know it sounds crazy to spend that kind of money on having a university degree or something but I uh, just you know I wanted to go to university I just thought it was you know I it was it was never really on the cards that I kind of wouldn't yeah so I you know I just went yeah I didn't really think about it to be honest too much I just thought you know all those jobs that I could be doing in this year they're still going to be there eventually do you know what I mean for sure yeah I mean we when I talk to the guests on the podcast there's always not mixed feelings about university but like maybe sort of people come away with different things yeah um in terms of you know maybe it was uh some connections they made or yeah. some really uh, valuable experience on placements yeah all this kind of stuff or they you know even some people sort of develop uh and, and find out they want to do something creative while they're studying something else at university yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah so i mean what, i mean i what, think what did you yeah, come yeah, away I, with i mean i definitely number one you know i made some like life friends do you know what i mean like I, you know most of my friends now are you know a lot of them are from uni or from work but yeah I've got some I've made some really really good friends um but also you know I I think my my advice probably would have changed now just based on like how much more money it costs to go to university like and also you know a lot of most people get a student loan and you really don't like I mean I had a student loan and I don't really see it you know I don't really feel it do you know what I mean coming out it's 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 such a nominal fee you know on the paycheck yeah but it is, it's it is very different for every single person i mean I, it is one of the big questions i get because i'm still quite good friends with some of the you know technicians and tutors on the course and they you know and and, and out of the the our class i mean i'm one of the people who are in the industry working a fair bit so they do kind of call me up and you know i think dp is probably you know dp director is kind of up on that list do you know what mm-hmm. i mean of most of their students come in saying i want to be a director or i want to be a dp you don't get many people coming in saying oh i want to be a sound man um and they so they um they do call me up and say look there's this guy he would love to just chat to you about you know your experience and what you did and i've even had um the the technician tim kind of ask can you chat to this guy he's thinking about joining the course but he doesn't really know whether he wants to or whether it's the right thing for him to do so I've done things like that and just chatted to guys and just, and I think my advice changes for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like you chat to some people and you just think, look, you don't really know what you want to be or what yeah. you want to do. But some other people are like, oh, look, I've already shot like two or three short films or, you know, I've, I've already been kind of doing a bit of interning at Panavision or something like that. And and you say, look, just carry on doing what you're doing because sure. you're going to get in, you're going to, it may take a little bit of time, but you're going to get into the industry. Whereas someone who has no idea whether they want to be a director or a production designer or you know makeup hair anything like that the course was good for giving you an opportunity to try out everything yeah yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, it did I think a lot of people you know I know some guys that wanted to be directors and they ended up now coming out and being editors you know because they just started editing on at the uni and they really enjoyed it 
Um, so yeah, I think that's where it changes. You know what I mean? And there, you know, the course was great and we got a lot of experience and you do get, you know, the thing is as well is you, you're taking three years and they've got, you know, 16 mil that I think they've now got a 35 mil camera there. They've got, you know, digital cameras, they've got lights, they've got a bit of track, a, a doorway dolly, mm -hmm. you know, and you're, what you're paying for, you know, your tuition fee is to be able to use that kind of those resources. You yeah, know? sure. And I would say, you know, anyone who's going, to, if you, even if you are thinking about doing that, just make the most of it. Do you know what I mean? Have fun and, you know, treat it as uni, but also just every so often just shoot something. Do you know what I mean? You've got free equipment because you're not going to have that ever again. No, never going to have, never going to have free equipment <laughs> or free labor. Do you know what I mean? Roping your friends into it. So yeah, <laughs> people Amazing. with no so, excuses. Yeah. Are you finished? So you finished your, your degree. Uh, how yeah. did you go about resuming your, your career in, uh, in the industry? So right at the end of our degree, our kind of tutor kind of advertised that there was this, um, sorry, <clears throat> opportunity to um, get on a drama, a TV drama through skill set. I'm pretty sure it's skill set scheme where they were kind of going to be offering up a couple of trainees. You know, they were paying for them the drama could use do you know what i mean so there was the camera trainee there was i'm pretty sure there was a couple of runner trainee kind of positions there was a locations trainee on there and my my best mate who i you know i lived with at the time at uni he was kind of going for the locations trainee he was very much on the course uh you know matt his name's matt risebrow he's he's now in the industry in locations and he uh, was very much like the kind of producer person in our course do you know what i mean everyone kind of came to him to try and produce things for them mm -hmm. and uh so he kind of went for that and i went for the camera trainee and i just hounded them as hard as i could to try and get the place managed to get it which was great and it was on a it was actually on a channel four drama called called the fear which had you know it was starring peter mullen the dp was called uh gavin finney and uh yeah it was it was i think it all together it was about maybe eight ten weeks we did wow. we did we did a, a large chunk in bristol at the bottle yard which is a factories there and and also the 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 piece was set in brighton but they they kind of used some places in bristol to you know look like brighton uh and then we um went to brighton for the last two weeks of the schedule and shot there as well so it was an amazing experience you know and and then just to have that on my cv you know yeah. going then going back into you know i kind of finished that and then just emailed every single person i could find you know yeah. production company cameraman anyone literally anyone and uh i wasn't asking you know with the production companies i wasn't asking specifically you know i need camera trainee work i was literally like just give me anything like you know and and thankfully a couple of those came back to me one person literally came back to me the same day and said can you come in tomorrow and so I went and did that, you know, an amazing company called Park Village. And uh, also another company called Tantrum uh, said, you know, we, we, we need an in-house kind of runner. It's, it's, you know, it's expenses only. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to come in and literally do anything. I'll, I'll make teas and coffees. I just want to be in the industry. So, and both those companies, you know, it pays off because both those companies, I went on to work for many, many times as a camera assistant. And also both those companies since I have actually, you know, DP'd stuff for. Oh, so, right. you know, you, you, you literally just, I, I think just being slightly, you know, a bit humble and just taking anything at the beginning, you never know where it's going to lead to. Definitely.
how steep was that learning curve on that on the, the first sort of eight ten weeks then on that channel four show was that the first time you'd been a, like an official camera assistant or yeah yeah i mean it was okay. it was a massive learning yeah i mean i can remember basically me and matt uh, my, my best mate was on the locations we managed to find a room so it was literally just a, a blank room because because we were getting peanuts on this because we were through the skill set mm. like really really low for the for the week to be fair obviously we were but we were untested do you know what i mean so it wasn't like they were going to pay us full money yeah um so we managed to find a room in bristol that was literally just a bedroom we didn't have any furniture the guy who was renting us the room said he'd find us a mattress so we had a double mattress and it was literally like suitcases we shared the double mattress for like six weeks and uh, I can remember maybe week two, I think I kind of, we were laying there going off to sleep, back to back, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I said to him, mate, I don't know, I think I might sack it off. I said, I don't know, I don't think this is for me. And he said, oh, no, no, don't stick it out, stick it out. And it was just that, that you know, being a camera trainee is hard in general, you know what I mean? I was running cables, I'd never done that, making sure the monitors were all staying on, that kind of thing. And people were like shouting at me and that kind of thing. So I just, and but once you get into the groove and you learn, like you get into a routine of getting the monitors set up, you get like a, you know, your system going, Yeah, it becomes, it's so much easier. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But at the beginning when you have no clue what you're doing, literally. When you're always kind of second guessing hard. yourself as well a little bit. Oh yeah. You, when you're oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Just and I can remember like an idiot, but you just don't oh, have the knowledge yet. Like not a clue. Not, a, I had no clue. I mean, I can remember on that job, we actually, we'd set up these nav techs with these old sd transmitters for video so wireless and we'd set up all the monitors with that you know in prep we had a week of prep and we'd set up all these so it was going to be wireless so i was like great this is perfect you know i'm not gonna to have to be running bnc cables that kind of thing um and then on the first day the kind of producer sat down in front of the monitors and obviously it was an sd signal and we were using alexas for the job so they were hd cameras and he said what's this it looked like an old film camera on the monitor it looked awful it looked, but they, it was just because they were getting down converted into sd to get over these nav techs yeah and uh i at that point we had to scrap the nav techs all of a sudden and start running cables so you know all that stuff i'd done in prep was just thrown out the window on the first day and <laughs> oh, it was a night it was a nightmare but it was fine that was the thing i learned you know you just learn and you get better and you you learn everyone's coffee order yeah, you know yeah, you know yeah. you got things set up before they get there that kind of thing and i just had no idea so it yeah. just it, it got better and then obviously it carried on getting better because i stayed <laughs> i stuck it out i stuck it out in the end so how long were you sort of um you know working as a trainee and what were the next phases after that so i think i i didn't work for a trainee for too long because i think where i'd had you know extra you know i'd been to uni done kind of camera assisting at uni i'd you know very low-key stuff i'd done all that kind of spark work before i knew kind of how to be on set do you know what i mean i had that intensive training in that drama so i think i was probably maybe a, a trainee for maybe a year maybe and then i found a couple of good guys a couple of good focus pullers who you know i trained for there was there was one guy called ralph ralph messer who you know we I've, i still to this day work with occasionally when he's not on a film or a drama and uh he he kind of needed a, a loader for a smaller kind of job and he just said yo yeah can you come along and do it i think i think you'll be ready and then that you know and then it just snowballed from there and i became a camera assistant and i think i must have been a camera assistant for about seven or eight years maybe yeah yeah okay nice and what was the what was the next phase after that so then i kind of i within that time as well i was doing some diting 
you know, I was kind of chopping and changing and filling the gaps as much as I could, trying to fill out my schedule every single day. And then eventually I started kind of just shooting kind of small music videos, really small music videos, really small fashion films, um, little bits and bobs of content work. Um, and then again, that just slowly snowballed. And uh, I was basically at a point where I was shooting kind of stuff for like Nike and, um, you know, food commercials and stuff like that. But then the next week I'd be, you know, doing a loading job as well because I, I yeah, sure. the, my, my progression definitely, there was never really, I don't think there was really, I can't really remember a point in my career where I literally said no, no more. I just, it just slowly took over. Like I was, I was loading at one point and then slowly the it merged together where there were a couple embarrassing moments where producers were like, you know, they called me for a job to load. And then next week they were kind of calling me going, I, I just want to check I've got the right person. Cause the director's asked you to shoot this job for me next week. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm kind of doing both at the same time at the moment. <laughs> I think it, it got to the point where I, I was on a diary service with a company called Wizzo and they actually had to, they eventually had to just take me off their books. They said they'd keep me, on the diary as a, as a DP almost, but not have me on the website at all because I was just, um, you know, I just wasn't, uh, you know, it was getting too confusing for people. Like, you know, who, what, what, what are you, who, what are you doing? And I think, so that kind of, the decision was almost made for me, if you know what I mean? Like it kind of got to the point where I just had to stop loading really. Just to uh, circle back around to when you were actively sort of working in the industry but doing a few different roles so you're loading here you're shooting there you're doing xyz yeah how important do you think it is for everyone to sort of know um you know what what you class yourself as is it is it important to class yourself as a single sort of occupation a single position within the, within a production um so is it really important for you to market yourself i'm a loader that's only what i do or would I mean, you would you kind of advise people to yeah to kind of you know still do what you do what you used to do and and dabble in a few different areas like in terms of a career yeah i mean i definitely think that if you're going to market yourself as something pick something because I, I mean the thing was for me that i was you know it slowly transitioned like at the beginning well of that transition i was definitely advertising myself as a loader do you know what i mean i was a loader i was out and about and i, I guess maybe just for people listening i you know i think loader is a slightly old term you know but basically i was a camera a second camera assistant i wasn't mm -hmm. a focus puller i was you know loading loading the film or loading the cards doing the batteries that kind of thing but at that point i was definitely a loader and then as it, the, the natural progression of shooting kind of smaller jobs and music videos, I, I don't think I per se advertised myself out there too much. Yeah. It was just, and, and, and also I was very skeptical and nervous about even posting stuff on social media. You know, it was, you know, I didn't definitely didn't want to confuse things because I still, you know, the, the smaller jobs were not paying at all do you know what i mean i wasn't making any money being a okay. dp at that point and i still i had you know i had a mortgage and i had you know things to pay for and so i needed to make a living and that's why i carried on doing like you know the, the DITing really helped because i was actually able to do quite a lot of um kind of foreign jobs that would come over so they were like you know foreign dps that were coming over to shoot something uh, commercial and they didn't have a crew over here and so you know as a dit you can kind of hide in the shadows a slightly you know what I mean at the <laughs> yeah. back of the at the back of the studio or something and kind of get away with it um so yeah I just tried to do 
and there, there were there were there were some DPs that kind of found out that I was shooting and didn't like it. Really? And uh, you know, I heard things like, you know, oh, he's going to be taking my job soon, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then there were other DPs who were like super happy for me, and even actually stuck me in for jobs or tried to get me in to do maybe a bit of second camera or something like that. So it, you had to kind of just tread carefully and work out exactly where you you know want to go. But yeah. I would say, you know, if you definitely if you know exactly what you want to do, just go for that, do that, and be that person. And then, you know, obviously don't ever say no to other things, but I think it would, it's just, it's the danger is confusing people. Do you know what I mean? You want to make sure that if you want to be a DP, go for that. Do you know what I mean? As well, as much as you can, like find little things, but try and do it as much as you can on the kind of down low. It's tough when you have, it's kind of off putting for me personally, when I, if I see say like a trainee that on his Instagram, it says like trainee slash loader slash DP slash, yeah. you know, director slash owns a whole load of kit and that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. those kind of things can sometimes put me off because it's like, well, what, you know, what are you concentrating on? Do you know what I mean? Are you, are you just going to come on my set and just be thinking about wanting to shoot something out? Do you know what I mean? Like I knew uh, one of the big things I knew was when I did, I did a job quite near the end and it was kind of like I was just doing it for a, you know, a DP that I'd shot with for a long time. And I was kind of just, I think it was probably one of my, almost my, one of my last loading jobs. And I was kind I I knew that it, it needed to be one of my last loading jobs because I was kind of stood on set, almost slightly resentful. Do you know what I mean? That I was like, oh, I could do this. Do you know what I mean? What yeah, am I doing? Why am I, why am I here doing this? You know, I, and almost like doing a, you know, not purposefully, but being a bit like lackadaisy on the job. Cause I was like, well, I don't really, you know, this doesn't, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be out shooting stuff now. Yeah, so I think when you get, to, yeah. And I think when you get to that point, you need to realize that that is, that's the moment when you should move on. Do you know what I mean? And start yeah. advertising yourself as the next thing. Do you know what I mean? And, and pushing to go onto that thing. Um, but again, I know that everyone's situations are different. Do you know what I mean? And mine was that I had like bills to pay and that kind of thing. So I had to make sure that I just tread carefully on, you know, where I advertise myself or how I advertise myself and, who I spoke to about the fact that I was doing little bits and bobs and work and stuff. But a lot of the guys that I was shooting for, like for instance, Otis at the beginning, you know, I know you guys are good, good friends with Otis and you guys yep. work with Otis quite a bit. You know, he was a, he was a runner. The way we met was he was a runner on jobs and I knew that he was still doing little bits of running and stuff. And, and I was, you know, he was directing stuff at the same time. So we were kind of in a similar situation. And so we've kind of come up together in that sense um, so you know those people who are in a similar situation where they're maybe going back and doing a bit of first aid in but also doing a bit of directing and that kind of stuff you know they're not gonna they're not gonna look down on the situation that you're in obviously because they're in the same situation as you so you just got to kind of find those kind of um, you know those people in the same kind of common ground and try and work with them and try and move on up the ladder with them absolutely um, I mean it's interesting what you said about that fine line between coming up underneath someone and then when you've reached that point where you're going to be sort of gunning for the same jobs as they are, you go from part of their regular team to the competition effectively. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. How, how did you manage to navigate that in the past? And like, was it, was it quite tough? Was it, was it quite surprising to maybe see certain people you've been working with for a long time, their opinion change of you or the way, you know, that you interact, did it, did it, did it change? Was it, was it quite a hard thing to go through or? I, th- I think it was very scarce for me to be fair like there, okay, w- there okay. wasn't many people that did you know that that happened and and even the people that did happen you know it never it was never like 
you know a hateful thing do you know what i mean no, it, was no, very, no. It, was, it was much more like a kind of like you know i, I can imagine that there's always going to be a bit of like you know it i even do it now thinking like oh you know you know you get you always you know there's a, it's one of those it's such a jealousy filled industry do you know what i mean and like yeah. it, like instagram does not help that at all in <laughs> any way shape or form do you know what i mean like especially in like the you know in the pandemic like i can't even imagine what it's like for like you know people who aren't working sitting there looking through instagram and like there's people you know smashing it out of the park it's, yeah. it's, i can imagine it's really tough so yeah i don't i don't think i think you just have to again just pick your battles and just realize you know if they want to be like that then that's fine they can carry on being like that and just move on there's plenty of other people but again like there's there's a lot of dps that i work with who are now like you know very much like a mentor to me do you know what i mean like yeah. there's a guy ben fordsman that i worked with for years um who's like you know hugely successful dp and you know i will ring him up and talk to him about jobs i've got coming up and he'll give me advice and help me through sticky situations you know what i mean and even advice on like just things on set and like how to navigate certain you know relationships with crew members and that kind of thing so you know the, the, i think the industry has changed massively in the terms of like even in, since i've been in it for the past kind of 10 11 years it's 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 evolved into something and i think maybe instagram has done that do you know what i mean like there's a yeah. lot more kind of intermingling between like the same role you know i think i think before you know maybe there was like a divide between dps and it was a lot more competition do you know what i mean but now i think there's a bit more kind of molding of everyone together and 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 keeping you know there's lots of kind of communities online that they all kind of you know talk to each other and that kind of thing and i think a lot of dps you know do like to chat and I, you know i like to ask guys questions and i don't mind answering any questions from anyone you know about my work and how how, how we've achieved something or that kind of thing definitely nice mate um yeah so if we move on to our next uh, section like yeah how how important is it for you as a dp to sort of maintain um relationships with directors uh and I mean, especially directors, I guess, because it's such a sort of tight uh, and intimate collaboration, you know, on, mm. on set when you're creating something. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's, what, it's, it's, it's like? so it's so important for me. Like for me, the collaboration aspect of, of, of the job is like number one, full stop. Do you know what I mean? Like I have to I really I, I my favorite time of working with anyone is always when it feels like we are making something together. You know, I definitely don't want to be the kind of DP that is just turning up on the day you know i've looked at the storyboards and now we're just kind of shooting something yeah you know if anything my the best work that i ever get out of you know of a job is always when i'm trying to get on a job as early as possible and 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 finish the job as late as possible as well like if i can be there even at the even at the storyboarding stage do you know what i mean like there's there's a couple of directors that i work with you know Amy Becker Burnett being one of them where yeah. we we've worked together for for years and again what like we met at a production company when she was kind of in-house at a production company doing like little directing jobs and we've slowly just grown together do you know what I mean we worked together for probably like probably five years now five or six wow. years maybe you know and done a, a huge variety of jobs and I think I think we were talking about it the other day our first ever job was a very very corporate job for a company called ADT who do like alarms and you know you kind of just look back on those kind of jobs and almost have a little laugh but that was one of our first jobs together and we've done you know we've done freebies we've done massive commercials we've been all over the world we we went to Brazil last year together to do a, a job for Toyota 
um and we have like a great relationship like she will get as she will get me in from the get-go um you know get me to see the treatment as soon as possible you know get my opinion on storyboarding and that kind of thing which really helps you know make sure that we're not getting tied into anything because i think one of the big dangers with storyboards is that agencies and client can look at it and get very very transfixed on a picture and so if you can get it looking as precise as you want it that's you know a, a huge help um and then and then and then again at the end she's always there you know keeping me involved in the even in the edit kind of sending me edits so i can you know hopefully give my two cents and then again in the grade you know always kind of you know there are some directors who just don't even let me know that the grade's happening sometimes you know what i mean so <laughs> i much prefer that kind of collaborative um you know relationship where we can really like kind of build the project together and make sure that it's going to be what you know something something hugely beneficial for us both yeah um because then it gets me invested in the project and gets me kind of really working into it yeah so yeah yeah that's definitely it's it, it, for me it's definitely just it, it makes a project so much more enjoyable but also makes a project so much better in terms of like the final outcome because you know for instance something like the edit often there'll be you know things on the day where i might do a little quick shot of something and it might just get lost in the rushes do you know what i mean sure. but you know i'll remember it and be like oh yeah you know do you remember I, I right at the end of that take i kind of whipped off and did a little quick shot of something over here you know maybe try that and they go oh yeah yeah I, actually yeah we found that yeah so you know things like that you know that everyone has a different kind of perspective on a job do you know what i mean and making sure that you collaborate and just have your opinions and uh, heard from both sides all the way through you know you can you can always make sure you get something better at, yeah. the end, at the end product what must be also quite interesting you've been working with amy now for five years as you as you've just said sort of everyone grows individually uh mm. in terms of their skills and all this kind of stuff but to see when you collaborate with someone so regularly mm. um you must see the kind of improvement as, as your sort of uh, your trust in each other develops uh and your ideas are more easily conveyed does the yeah. dynamic on set you know that that improvement can you see it on screen if you if you look at some of your earlier projects together and you look at some of your most recent can you see how you've kind of grown together in terms of your output oh yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean not you know aside from the fact that you know the jobs have grown in scale do you know what i mean together you know we you know now we're doing much bigger commercials or you know kind of fashion films together mm -hmm. um, but also kind of just you know our ambition has grown together you know we know and we also know each other's abilities i think she knows you know what you know what i can do in terms of as a cinematographer and i know what she's expecting as a director for me you know to you know what you know i can look at one of her treatments and kind of instantly kind of say oh yeah i you know i know what this is going to look like you know sure. straight away do you know what i mean i know what kind of vibe she's going for and we we have like a a very good kind of shorthand where you know you, i think we're almost getting to a point now where prep it gets easier do you know what i mean because we have we don't have to chat so much you know what i mean i don't i really don't need to talk to her too much about you know what kind of kit we're going to need that kind of stuff i kind of just know yeah. which jobs are going to have which kind of stuff unless we're kind of shooting on film or something like that um and and i think that just helps on set as well like we have like kind of like a you know we're not going to spend you know 10 15 minutes each kind of set up talking to each other about what we want it to look like or how we want it to feel or that kind of thing we just kind of know do you know what i mean and we, yeah. we you know from each job to job we know what we like and we know what we want and and that's kind of a, a great way to 
you know a great thing to have as a, a, a as a partnership in terms of like creating something creative you as long as you, if you have that shorthand and you know that actually you know she's going to want a quick little shot down here or you know we'll, we'll grab a little pickup over here next or you know any of that kind of stuff it's so much quicker on the day and it gives you so much yeah. more time to do every everything else fantastic yeah um let's talk about the the job you did with otis uh, a few months back with yeah. uh, with gigs in georgia yeah um for for the music video for i'm working um yeah, yeah. obviously like we we've known otis for for a, a, a while now <clears throat> we're very familiar with his output you know same with you yeah, um, yeah. how is it working together how excited were you when you maybe saw the concept, the, the brief and and how he kind of envisaged things uh, and how, yeah. did, how did you react to it? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether it's, uh, whether I can, uh, Otis will be disappointed. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've known, again, like I said earlier, you know, me and Otis met, you know, he was a runner on a job. I, I was loading on a job. And again, I think we've worked together for maybe three, two or three years now together on various music videos and kind of short little kind of fashion stuff. Um, and again, we, we, you know, again, we've got like a little kind of shorthand going, you know what yeah. I mean? We, we, we know each other. And, and again, we're like, we're friends, do you know what I mean? Which is the best part of the job. You know what I mean? Like these jobs are not easy. Sometimes you're like out in the cold, you're in the rain or you're long hours. And the fact that you get to just kind of work with guys who are like, your mates as well at the same time is great so that's why you know i love working with otis because you know we're good pals we like to have a little laugh together as well on set yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing um i mean in, in particular this job i mean you know otis is ambitious every single job that we get do you know what <laughs> i mean he likes to push the boundaries which is great because i you know i love to push the boundaries as well and so i saw this one and it was it was good it was nice because it, i think it was a slightly bigger music video than we've done together before um, you know, some nice artists in there, which was, you know, I love Georgia Smith's work and, and gigs as well. I'd worked with gigs before, actually, without with, with another director. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'd read the treatment and I, you know, I was really excited because there was a lot of kind of um, uh, technical challenges to kind of solve. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. That's, you know, one of the real big attractions to the job for me is that I love kind of trying to. Uh, solve problems and and work out solutions and especially on you know that you know you can work on a huge you know million pound commercial and there's it's easy to work out solutions because you have all the toys in the world you can like you can put anything on it do you know what i mean you could you can yeah. have a helicopter flying in if you need to but on on a music video it's slightly different you've got to get a bit more creative you've got to work out exactly how you can you know get the camera through the window or you know and on this one particular he wanted to do some you know i think it was three kind of long shots and uh the particularly the first shot of the film was kind of it started on the the camera rigged to a bonnet of the car yeah. gigs is kind of driving in he parks up the camera snaps off of that mount on the car and we kind of track with with gigs we go inside a house from the outside and then we come around and this, we meet georgia for the chorus and we track back with her through a very small door down a very small path i think backwards down a couple of steps as well <laughs> and then eventually mount the camera back onto another car and she drives off a separate car not the same car but a completely different car yeah um so obviously there was like a whole whole <clears throat> working of like how to do that um and it was good we we ended up shooting on the on a on the Alexa mini lf which was great you know i love shooting on on the lf and we shot everything on the ronin uh okay. you know kind of gimbal stabilizer 
and uh we had um a, a good friend of mine dan lobo perez he he's kind of a gimbal ronin whiz and i use him on a lot of jobs because i I'm a, I'm a big fan of using the ronin yeah and uh he kind of i'd heard that he had these kind of magnetic snap plates which you know usually are used for um snapping the ronin on and off of a crane or something like that so they've got like a a large plate metal plate that attaches to the ronin and then on the other end there's a, a magnet electromagnet that yeah. you know you can actually snap the the ronin into and then it lifts off on a crane but this this for this um use we actually used it on a car rig so we had um two of the mounts on either of well actually this is this is where we got creative we actually only had one of the mounts available to us due to budget and availability of the mounts yeah so what we actually had to do is as we snapped it off of one there's a little button on the side of it so you push this little button and that deactivates the the magnet, the magnet yeah and, and you you take the rig off slowly and it, i clip it into the easy rig and I, I carry on walking while i'm doing the walking shot in and out of the house someone's unscrewing that mount off of that car running down the road to the next car and screwing it onto the other car so that it's there ready for when we come back outside the house Whoa. um so yeah that's what that's what we ended up doing for that for that those shots and th there were other ones as well i think there's a shot of where we were in and around a kind of restaurant and then we tracked back along a table which we actually ended up having to we mounted the ronin onto a kind of like a scaff tube and we had two guys either either side of the scaff tube and then uh wirelessly i controlled the ronin on a set of wheels so i operated the you know the pan and the tilt of the, of the ronin at, at a okay, set of wheels right. further away so the guys were literally just walking so they could squeeze through all the tight spaces of the of the restaurant i kind of yeah. did all the panning of georgia walking and then eventually when we came to the table they could almost hold the you know the pole either end over the top of the people sat at this long table and walk back slowly yeah. as, as we as we trekked back along the table yeah Oh, uh, so again like you know it just it takes a lot of takes to get it right and and set up and stuff and so i think the thing was on that one it was a, it was a lot of stuff to try and get in a day and we only had one day to shoot and, uh, <laughs> it was a it was a late finish on that one definitely but it was good it was good we got some really nice stuff and yeah for a long shot like that i was curious how do you go about lighting it as a dop when you're <laughs> seeing you know, it's not just a frame of a yeah. part of a room or, you know, something. Yeah. You are literally, it's like a video tour of a house. How do you go about sort of lighting something like that and getting it all, you know, perfectly balanced when you're seeing so much of all that's around you? Like there's, I don't know, how do, how do you yeah. go about doing it? Very difficultly. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's those kind of shots are always, you know, and I, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's normally how I like to approach my lighting anyway, is that okay. I like to light a space and and like you know the, the the room so that we can you know really have enough a lot of freedom to yeah. kind of just shoot shoot in as we go you know we're not constricted to kind of this particular you know someone sat here looking this way um but you know normally on those shots we you do still it's it's not 360 do you know what i mean a lot of the time it's maybe 180 or 270 so you have a little bit of sure you know dead space in the room where you can put stands and that kind of thing but yeah this one we definitely had a lot of viewing do you know what i mean and yeah so we had to you know we used a lot of the there's these you know there's these things called pole cats or you know auto poles i don't know what people actually call them but they they kind of extend in a in a ceiling wall to wall and then you can um you can rig off it's almost like putting up rigging in a ceiling um so we had a lot of that to keep stands off of the floor and then we would clamp lights to that and and keep it all kind of off of the floor to keep us 360 
Um, and then also on the, on the, so for instance, on the first shot, there's a scene where there's a bit where he comes up to the window and walks up to a window and we did it. It was a very quite drab gray day that we were actually doing it, but we wanted obviously that kind of feel of like sun and the reason that he's kind of going up to the window to look out. And so, but the problem was to have any lamps coming in through that window, we would see them on all the exterior stuff. So sure. Georgia and gigs at the beginning. So we actually had to have a lamp hidden around a hedge. <laughs> and uh, as we kind of slowly started to walk into the house, because it was quite near the beginning of him being in that house, they had to quickly run out. You know, the lamp was already on, but just panned away. They ran out the lamps, you know, and they had it marked out on the floor where they needed to put it, ran it out, had it in there. As soon as he kind of walked away from the window, they ran away again with the light and wow. and hid, hid back around the corner because we would come back out again with Georgia and she would, and the lamp was actually placed in front of the car that she was going to be driving off in. So yeah, there's things like that you have to kind of come up with. And again, it's it's just about kind of working out kind of creative solutions for these things. Do you know what I mean? And, and really working out, you know, because I think that a lot of the time people do kind of think about this new age of digital and, um, you know, think, oh, you know, these cameras are rated so highly at, you know, 1600, 3200 ISO. Why do you even need lighting? Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> It's, it's one exercise I quite like to do often with, you know, either producers or people, you know, anyone who's kind of questioning that thing is I'll light a scene and I'll show them the shot, you know, nicely exposed, etc. Yeah. And then I'll just turn all the lights off and I'll show them what it looks like not lit. And you know, <laughs> there's always, there's always a massive difference and they go, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not just necessarily, you know, you're trying, you obviously are trying to make it look as natural as possible, Sure. but there's an element of, cinematography that is stylized do you know what i mean it well, yeah but that's what look... brings the drama the feel the sort yeah. of the emotion Definitely. to uh, you know your work especially you know looking through some of it this morning just before we had this chat and there is this emotion to it and it's yeah. it, you know that that is literally you know your responsibility as as a dop yeah, yeah and i think i think a lot of the time like the kind of you know i don't want to get too technical but there's a the the, the aspect of like contrast ratios you know what i mean it gets lost like yeah i can just kind of expose for like you know the natural light that's in this room but you know you're not going to get any kind of like you said emotion or like this you know the, the whole face is just kind of going to be a single kind of tone whereas if you know i do punch through a light through that window i can expose for that side of their face and this side of the room is going to kind of go into darkness and kind of yeah. create something much more emotional and you know that kind of area in that room that we don't really want to see them to see at the moment you know we can we can send that into darkness as opposed to being kind of like a mushy kind of gray at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, there is, it's, it's tough to, you know, kind of do that, but that's why you need to work out these solutions to actually do some kind of lighting on these shots. You know, it's, it's easy enough to say, you know, just go all natural and just, you know, do a 360 shot, but it's much funner to try and, you know, work out a way to actually have a couple of lamps in there and, you know, create a bit of shape and a bit of texture. Definitely. Of course, mate. Um, so do you own your own kit as a, as a DOP? And if you do, um, how valuable do you think that is as a sort of a, a weapon in your arsenal to, you know, to, to have something like that to offer? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never personally owned any kit. Well, I, I do. I've got, I've got some filters. So it's a very small bit of okay. glass. Do you know what I mean? But I did, I, what I did is I had a, a director friend who I worked with a lot who, who bought an Alexa Mini 
and some other kind of accessories small accessories to go with it um, we didn't we never had like a full kind of shooting package so we never had any lenses or tripod or that kind of thing but we we kind of had enough where we could just about kind of shoot a little bit of something i think he had a, a set of small lenses small set of lenses that we could kind of use um, but i never really i kind of would only ever offer out the body the Alexa Mini kind of body, but it was never my personal one. It kind of lived at my house, and I I put it I put it out on as many jobs as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was good, it was good at the beginning. I mean, the thing I started to find was, you know, it helped at the beginning on jobs, you know, where, for instance, they would come back to me and say, you know, maybe it was a small music video, and they wanted to, they could only afford a red, or they could only afford a C three hundred, or something like that. And I could say to them, look, I'll I'll do the the mini for the same price. Tell me what you've got in the budget for the camera, and we'll we'll do the mini at the same kind of price, you know. Or even if they had like, you know, Sony A seven S or something, they've only got a hundred quid. You know, we can kind of try and help out as much as we can. So that helped the work to be, you know, shooting on something I'm familiar with. You know, those other cameras are great. And they're, you know, they're, they're good cameras to use, but I feel like a lot of the time the out of the box image on them is not as, is nowhere near as good as the Alexa. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can tweak the image on any camera to kind of, if you spend enough time on it and enough kind of post on it and enough grading on it, you can get virtually any image to look like anything, but you need, you need, you know, you need a very, very good colorist and a very good um you know post team to kind of do that kind of thing add some really nice grain and that kind of thing whereas you know out of the box you can turn an alexa on put you know virtually any lens on the front of it and you're going to get something half decent yeah. i find you know it's something i'm very now you know my you know 90 percent, 95 percent of my work unless it's something very specialized is shot you know on on an alexa some form of alexa because it's just something that i'm really familiar with i you know i know where my exposure should be you know, I know where I want to set the ISO on it. You know, I know what I can do in terms of like frames per second on it. I know where the buttons are. I know how to turn it on. That kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I get sometimes I get handed cameras, and I, you know, I think we had we had a couple of like B cams on a job recently that were these. They were FS sevens, I think. And both, like one of them, we just turned on and it just had color bars. It took us about half, you know, it took us about half an hour to work out how to just how to turn the color bars off in the menu. So, <laughs> you know, there's things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, I, I can, I could, I can, on my own personally, I can get an Alexa mini out of the box and, and start shooting on it straight away. Whereas some other kind of cameras, I, I definitely need to have a bit of a read up um, course, on mate. them. But, and so, yeah, back to the question. I mean, it, yeah, it helped at the beginning. I, I could do that with the cameras and offer them up and, you know, make sure that I had something on the job that was, you know, reliable and I knew what I was getting from the image and that kind of thing. Um, but then I finally, I, I slowly found that um, as the, as my jobs got bigger and I got more, you know, established as a DP, a, a lot of the jobs that were, they were kind of coming to me and going, you know, one of the first questions they would ask was, oh yeah, you own your own camera, don't you? I kind of realized that those were jobs that I didn't want to be doing. They yeah. were more the jobs where they were, they were just looking for someone with a camera, you know, yeah. the budgets might be quite low, you know, obviously I'd always listen out and like let, let them explain the kind of job, but more times than not, they would be the jobs where they were just looking for more of like a videographer kind of style guy. Do you know what I mean? And I was, I was trying to mold myself more as a, as a cinematographer and a DP, you know, who was going to be working with a a director and really creating, you know, some beautiful imagery. 
not saying that videographers don't do that you know a lot of them do nowadays create some amazing imagery but it, it, it was more of like kind of I wanted to make sure that I was pushing myself into the jobs that were more you know stylized into what I wanted to do and I felt like a lot of the jobs where they were looking for someone with their own kit weren't in that realm yeah. and uh you know you do you can i find that you can end up getting a bit used and abused sometimes if you've got your own kit and also it's just it, it, it can become just a bit of a pain do you know what i mean having to like manage batteries and you know sure. it's your it's your responsibility do you know what i mean and, and it takes you away from maybe the job that you're actually meant to be doing i you know i've found that you know, if, if, if a camera breaks down on a job and it's from Ari or Panavision or, or anyone, One Stop or anyone like that, you know, you you just call them up and they send another one out. If it's my camera, you know, I've then got to spend, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes trying to find another camera or something like that and, mm -hmm. and work it all out. Whereas, you know, when I should be concentrating on the job or, you know, lighting or letting the camera team deal with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I found that that's where it kind of went to. Um and, you know, I still have access to that camera. It's now back at the, the guy's house, but I so I still have access to use it. Um, I've just found as well that, you know, now with other cameras out, you know, the Venice and the LF, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being restricted into just shooting on the mini, you know, and, and shooting film jobs and that kind of thing. And also, you you know, when you when you get your camera on a job as a DP, you've got to talk to production about money. And I find that that's one of the, the worst conversations in the world to have about anything. You know, it's one of the biggest reasons why I love having an agent is because I, now I just, they deal with all of my kind of rate with production. They yeah. talk to them about any kind of deals. I, you know, I think that my, you know, my job as a DP with, you know, a director or a producer should just be about the job and not about you know obviously i completely understand that there's politics you have to deal with as a dp and that kind of thing but if i can stay from stay away from that as much as i can you know i much prefer it i just want to be able to talk to them about how we're going to create you know what what's on the paper other than just trying to scrounge for an extra 50 quid or something <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. so yeah you know it's just another conversation that you just have to have where you're trying to you know trying to it, you know, and, and you don't want to feel like the kind of person that's trying to force your camera onto a job to try and make an extra buck. Yeah, no, sure. So, you know, it can become hard. But again, like I said, at the beginning, it was great. It was good, you know, to have something there and also just something to experiment with, do you know what I mean? And just use every so often and 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 do kind of freer jobs and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it was good to have something, definitely. But, you know, as well, technology these days moves on. You know, every 18 months, two years, there's a new camera out. So... It's tough yeah, to keep it's quite up expensive these days. to keep it relevant, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, definitely, definitely. For sure. So you, your site is it Wiz and Co? I'm with Wiz and Co. Yeah, who I've, you know, like I said earlier, I kind of briefly mentioned it. They have, they also have a, as as much as they are an agency at heart, they also have a diary service. Uh, yes, yeah. who look after crew and that kind of thing. And I have been a loader on Wizzo probably, you know, from from kind of very early on in my loading career. So it was quite a family, do you know what I mean? And it, and it it slowly just, it slowly progressed. And I think they saw that I was slowly progressing. And like I said, they did a very weird thing for me, which I'm, you know, hugely blessed that they did do. And, you know, really thankful that they did do. But they ended up taking me off of the, the website as a loader that weren't advertising me anymore as a loader or, you know, if calls came in for loading jobs or anything like that, they didn't ever put me forward for them. But they carried on being my diary service as a DP. So it was again, it was slightly confusing for people sometimes because I wasn't signed 
to Wizzo as an, uh, you know, as an agency, because I mean, it, rightly so, I wasn't ready as a DP to be, sure. you know, in the ranks of those guys. It, I would have felt completely unfair putting myself in that kind of category with those, you know, the other DPs on there. But at the same time, I think they just wanted to keep me, you know, keep me close, which is amazing that they wanted to do that for me. Um, and then it got to a point where, you know, my work, I guess, hopefully got to a, got to a stage where they felt like they could sign me up and they, yeah, you know, put me, put me on the website as, you know, as a DP on the agency section, which is, was you know, that sort of a, a goal of yours. Was it a big milestone for you? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. it was massive. You know, I'd, I'd always, always said, and again, that was, you know, I think I can remember sitting down with Lee, the owner and saying, you know, he was like, and we, ha- now we have to stop the dit work completely and i was like yeah no i i was like don't worry i've kind of stopped that now already don't worry you know i'm definitely not i'm not mixing and matching anymore at all on this and he was like no but i just have to make sure when there's not going to be any more kind of calls for dit work at all <laughs> i was like no of course i'm definitely not going to be doing any more any more work at all of that kind of nature so um yeah no it was it was definitely a milestone massive you know what i mean it's i think it's uh, it, it's a great thing i think there are you know different opinions on you know like directors being repped do you know what i mean being signed you know i said i know some very very successful dps who aren't you know repped by an agent but i think it is a it's a it's a rite of passage almost it's a it's a seal of approval um you know i've had certain moments back in you know the early stages of my career where certain directors have said to me oh yeah man sorry look, i really can't get you on this job because the agency needs someone who's signed do you know what i mean they, you know it's a big job you know it's a commercial um you know i don't know whether they were just saying you never know whether they were just saying that but anyway yeah but, you know i think it, it is true you know a lot of agencies you know uh, more than people think sometimes agencies have a big sway to directors of who are actually going to direct oh sorry dp a job you know they they already have their kind of opinion and they want you know they want you know Lubitsky or you know anyone you know they want someone a bit a big a big name um so you know that can but being signed can really help that because you've got like that kind of seal approval from from an agency that say you know yeah we're we think you are good enough to for us to kind of represent and have our have our brand behind you definitely yeah yeah nice mate um now that you've sort of um made that milestone how has it affected your goals now like what's what's in in your mind what is the next step like for your progression i mean i yeah i I don't really know whether I have like a, a next kind of, I just, especially with like the way last year was, do you know what I mean? I def, I had some kind of goals and we had some, you know, as a, as a family, me and my wife kind of had some ideas of what we maybe wanted to achieve. I think they involved maybe, you know, we thought about maybe going to the States for a little bit. And, and that was, you know, obviously you have to kind of get your visa and you have to work towards that. And you also have to have connections and people to work for out there. Yeah, sure. And so that was maybe something that I was going to look to do last year and just kind of slowly, you know, every so often pop over there and just kind of, you know, try and set up some meetings and that kind of thing. But, you know, obviously with how everything went, I think that kind of might have gone out the window slightly. Um, but I mean, I, I think, you know, I've never, I've never really had like a huge um, desire or like urge to shoot a feature film. Like, you know, I definitely want to a hundred percent and I would love to shoot feature films, but it's, I think there's a lot of DPs out there who that is their, that is their end, you know, and it, it is the pinnacle of kind of cinematography. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, a lot of people say that's why they got into the film industry was to yeah, make sure. films. I mean, I, I have always worked in the commercial sector. I've always been, 
in commercials i've always you know even as a loader as a runner you know i've I, I i've done dailies and i've done the odd feature and i've done the odd tv drama when i was a loader and and now as a dp you know i've shot short films and stuff you know lot slightly longer form stuff but i it's weird to say because i do kind of like i like commercials you know i like the freedom that it gives you the experimentation that you can do and obviously if the right job came along in the kind of long form sector i would definitely I would definitely do it and take it. But at the moment, I want to make sure that I'm not just kind of trying to push myself into that sector just to yeah. get in that sector. I want to make sure that it's the right job, the right director, the right kind of, you know, uh, fit for me before I kind of jump into that world. Definitely. Yeah, like natural, natural transition. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, I think nowadays that, that it, you know, there's a lot of um, opportunity and scope, to have something a slightly more interesting you know not having to just take a job because you want to try and get a bit more kind of long form stuff on your reel do you know what i mean like there's the you know with amazon and netflix and and hbo and disney and everyone over here you know shooting more and more and more stuff there's scope to try and maybe get on a small you know maybe second unit or do a bit of extra camera work on um uh you know something a bit more interesting and uh hopefully you know hopefully those kind of opportunities will come along nice mate and then lastly um the sort of advice section that we usually round things off with on family and friends yeah um what would your advice be to someone maybe starting out in the industry uh whether it's in the camera department or you know maybe anything else uh like generalized things that you you may have learned that would be useful to to people yeah i think i think my advice every single time to anyone is always just just be be as humble as possible and just get out there and just work. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't try and at the beginning, don't try and categorize yourself. Do you know what I mean? Just try and like, I, you know, I went out and I just took any job I could. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just getting out there. You know, I think, I think I see a lot of guys going out there trying to say, you know, I don't do freebies. I don't do this. You know, we should be getting paid. And I, I do, I disagree with that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think the kind of freebie experience work helps to, really make sure that you want to be in this industry because as fun as a glamorous as it is to work in the film industry it's it's really hard do you know what i mean like it's long hours long days at the beginning you have to give up everything do you know what i mean like you know the amount of kind of family events or birthdays mates birthdays that i've missed at the beginning you know just because you've got to keep working you've got to keep in the industry and you know if you do those kind of experience or 50 pound a day or you know petrol only kind of jobs it really makes you realize that this is actually what you want to be doing do you know what i mean it really it it sorts kind of like the boys from the men in in terms of what you want to you know be doing in the in the kind of industry and you know obviously don't be going on like a huge massive commercial for free obviously but i'm talking about kind of short films yeah little music videos um anything kind of like that you know just make sure you're out there and and, and if you want to be in the camera industry don't be scared to kind of do a do a job as a spark you know I did a whole feature as a spark on a you know at the beginning of my career because I just wanted to do anything I just wanted to be and I met some amazing people I mean I met George Rumsey on that job he was a DIT on that job and now he's like head of commercials at Panavision and you know sorts me out you know on kit I need and that kind of thing so you, you just never know who you might meet on on jobs or what you're doing and like I said at the beginning I did freebie runner work for um you know tantrum park village other you know other commercial companies and i went on to work for them for years and no you know some of the 
you know uh producers there i'm still really good friends with them they went freelance and now i've you know worked with them in in other sectors and i've dp'd and shot for the for jobs for them and the way i met them was being a runner you know and just working my ass off trying to you know get coffees and i can remember they sent on park village they sent me to tesco's to literally buy out the whole bakery section one time and i filled up my tiny little polo with like more bread than anyone needs but you know you just that's the kind of stuff you got to do do you know what i mean and just just work it's hard work you know the film industry it's really hard work it's it, it, but it's hugely rewarding yeah. when you get to the point you know we get I think we're, uh, you know, my classic saying is we're the only other industry apart from the army that gets breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> you know, and you get, you know, you get to meet some great people. You get to have, you know, you're not stuck in an office. Sometimes you're, you know, outside on a freezing cold field with the rain chucking down on you. But, you know, it's not the same old boring thing every single day. And, you know, you, you work hard and play hard. You know, you get, you get, you know, as a freelancer, you do get a lot of time. You get to pick and choose when you want to work. So yeah, mm. it's, I would say just, just get out there and work and, and don't be scared to email around. You know what I mean? I, I, that was one way that I, the only way that I got all those jobs was just by going onto Google and searching London production companies. And I made a huge list and I went through and picked a couple of jobs that they'd done and made sure I, you know, I spent, I probably spent about four days going through this whole list, emailing every single one and doing an individual email. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I had a little bit of copy and paste in there, but, but also throwing in a little bit of kind of personalized, you know, like I saw that you guys represent these two directors that I really, really like their work on such and such a project. And, you know, I'd really love the opportunity to kind of work within this sector that you guys do, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I think that goes a long way. Do you know what I mean? Like putting in the effort, going the extra mile. And, and then when you get on set, don't be, you know, it's at the beginning it's going to be teas and coffees do you know what i mean and 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 be just be a smiley face be a happy person be willing to like go above and beyond do you know what i mean like that, those are the people that make it do you know what i mean those are the the runners that i saw at the beginning of my career who were like happy go lucky and really helpful are the ones that are like smashing it now because yeah. people like to be around those kind of people and then they then get you know they think oh yeah that guy you know we'll get him on this little kind of short film that we're doing as a first ad or something or you know we need a we need a camera assistant on this job and he you know he's a really nice guy so let's just get him on you know people want to work with nice people so yeah 100 percent, definitely oh mate joe douglas thank you so much for uh joining us on family friends mate. <laughs> i uh anytime I, anytime I see you in the flesh sometime soon and definitely um, man do some work together dude perfect really fun but uh, yeah yeah thanks mate, so much um, for having me yeah mate thanks and i'll, I'll hopefully see you soon perfect cheers max awesome thanks man That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Family and Friends. That's F-M-L-Y and Friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at Family Creative. That's on Instagram. Or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.